You make me feel like a natural woman. I, I'm, I was transitioning to country for you. Uh, From soul I, to country. Woman. <laughs> if it's, I'll allow it. <sighs> okay. Now, we had a month off. We did. We did. And took that time. You were moving into a house. I had a shit ton of work stuff that was happening. Um, and then taking some time to, you know, rest and hang out. And we got our episodes done. Do you think I would have came up with a cold open? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where this was going. <laughs> At that time of the month. No. No, I didn't. It wasn't until after that Aretha video I realized, shit, it's my turn for a cold open, it isn't is it? It is your turn. And so the trend continues. Um, so here's the first question off the top of my head. Is there a 2022 artist that you were, let's say you heard some of their singles in 2021 and you have your eye on them for 2022? Um, the first one that pops to my head is Social Animals. I've been obsessed with them since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, they have maybe five singles on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, something happened in their first couple of singles got booted off Spotify, but they're coming back. Nice. But I have high hopes for what they release in 2022. They're supposed to be coming to Richmond in February or Dedrick, the lead singer, as a solo tour. So I will be there. I don't know where they're playing yet, but mm-hmm. he, he assures me that they will be in Richmond. So there you go. Check out Social Animals. It's like I tweeted at him the other day and I said, Social Animals is the music you put on when you're driving at night and contemplating life. And he said, yes, that's where I wrote it all. So that makes Aww. sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think um shit i need my phone because i have right in front of you thank you well you know i've been known to lose my phone because i need to go to my spotify hold on a sec because i literally pinned them for this you pinned them for the cold open that you didn't prepare well i mean i pinned them to listen to later but they were on my mind i am looking forward to okay there's a french artist i've been listening to we've talked about this yes her name is melody gardot now, she has been around for a while, so I'm late to the game on this. But her music is so good. I would love to see her actually start breaking out. and Because right now she's more in Europe. Mm-hmm. I would love to see her actually start branching out in 2022 into America market a little bit more. So that's who I choose. I had an artist in mind, and then I forgot it. Mainly because I'm halfway through my mimosa. I was very generous with the mimosa pour. And now this is easily the worst intro that we have recorded in 2022 thanks to your champagne pouring skills well we've only had two so the bar is very low (laughs) (laughs) we got plenty of other time for me to fuck up another one don't worry um i'm beth ann and i'm leah and this is she will rock you in 2022 where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, pull up before I haul you. Let me turn down the thermostat. <laughs> this is bad. We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will Rack You. Uh, once again, there's no new business items to discuss, but please leave us a review. Yes. It would mean a lot. Thank you. <laughs> please and thank you. We're going to ask every show, so just get used to it. All right, so we kicked off 2021 with Dolly, mm-hmm. so I felt it was only appropriate to go back to the country realm. Understandable. And pull out another great. 
So we're talking about Loretta Lynn. Good choice. I have a Loretta Lynn record in Which there. One? Let me go see. Hold on. Anyway, I have several. I don't know if I have any 100% Loretta Lynn albums, but I recently inherited my grandparents' entire record collection from like the late 60s, early 70s. Has several Conway Twitty Loretta Lynn albums on it, mm. which we'll talk about. But that was the inspiration for this episode. And in this episode, I have now re-entered my country music obsession fully blown. So thank you, Loretta, for that. Um... I'm going to state this very early on, similar to your last disclosure. Loretta has over 70 albums. Jeez. So I will not be naming Country them. Country music gets busy, man. Yes. Yes. I will not be naming them all in this presentation. I'm sorry. It ain't happening. All right. So let's talk about Loretta. She was born Loretta Webb on April 14th. We're not sure what year because hmm. this was the Depression they weren't so keeping calendars on? They weren't keeping records. She was born at home. They couldn't afford to go to the hospital. Ooh. Um, they th- she Later paperwork. Let me, let me Google it. Later paperwork. They think they got it right. Um, but for the longest time, they had no idea. Like, Did she know how old she was? She didn't for the longest time. So it's really? suspected she was born April 14th, 1932, which would make her 89. But no one's 100% sure on that date because she was... One of, uh, I closed my outline. Shit, where did it go? She was one of, I didn't put the total count. Oh, eight children total. Okay. She's the oldest daughter, second child. Um, So they weren't really keeping records. She was born in Butcher Holler, Kentucky. That's a great name. Which is actually hollow, but everyone from. Holler. Butcher Holler says holler, so I'm saying holler. Um. They were dirt poor. Dad was a, a almost said a dirt farmer. Good God, a coal <laughs> coal miner, not a dirt farmer. Um, sh- they had no money, so she and none of like no one in that family was born in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the eight children, one of them had to be born in the hospital, but they couldn't afford to stay overnight. So like once the baby popped out, they just walked the four, five miles home. Um. This is Depression era coal mining country in yeah. Kentucky. She did not ride in an automobile until she was 12. Wow. And she didn't know where babies came from until it happened to her later in life. She did not see it. What? It comes a big part of her story. So pin that for later. She did not see a toilet with running water until she was 14. Because they just had an outhouse. Um. To to further just explain the medical situation that was happening in this town, when she was about one year old, she got an ear infection so bad that in order to fix it, uh, trigger warning if you don't like medical stuff, they had to drill holes into her head every day to like drain the infection. Oh my god! But her parents couldn't afford to keep her in the hospital overnight, so they would walk her five miles to the hospital every day back and forth, like piggyback riding. Um, she almost died. She got so sick she stopped walking until about the age of four. Oh my gosh! But then she got better. Like it's it's honestly a miracle that she survived. Yeah, because not only was the healthcare terrible in the f- 
late 30s. But, like, they were so broke. Uh, there's a story in her book about her dad had 38 cents to go between all eight children one Christmas. Oh. And still managed to get them all something from the, the general store. But, uh, yeah. Jeez. Very, they didn't get a lot of visitors, so she was really shy growing up when it came to, like, meeting new people. Um, and she only had about an eighth or about a fourth grade education. She went to a one room schoolhouse, uh, enjoyed eighth grade so much that she repeated it twice. But eighth grade in that schoolhouse was about fourth grade now. So she has about a fourth grade education. Wow. So when Loretta's 15 ish, January 10th, 1948, she marries Oliver Vanetta Doolittle Lynn. 14? She is 14. Um, so he's better known as Doolittle or Do or Mooney because he used to run Moonshine. Uh, he lived most of his childhood in Washington State working around a different mining camp. And his aunts and uncles made Moonshine and he would do the milk deliveries to the mining camp and they would just fill some of those bottles with Moonshine and just mm. hope no one noticed. And because he was so young, no one really questioned him running Moonshine. So he got the name Mooney, but she calls him Do in most of her stuff or Doolittle. Um, so, yeah, let's go back to the fact that Loretta's 15. He's about 20. I thought, I mean, this is how people were getting married back then. When you got eight kids, you got to kind of marry them off, for lack of a better term, to get them out of your house. So you can stop paying to feed them. Mm-hmm. But everyone thought that Loretta was older than she was, and everyone thought that Doolittle was younger than he was. Because look at these children. I brought a book for a visual. We're going to have to put this up. Look how old. She's 14 in that photo, and he's 18. The right hand side, left hand side. He looks like a baby in his little army uniform. Yeah. And she looks like a full grown woman. That's wild. So like no one really questioned it because he was in the army. He could provide for himself. He had some connections. And she looks like an adult. Like she's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, They left Kentucky really quickly after they got married. And moved to the logging community of Custer, Washington. Sorry, it was a logging camp, not a mining camp in Washington. And they, when they made this move, Loretta was seven months pregnant with their first of what would ultimately be six children. Mm-hmm. She didn't even know how she got pregnant. This was, I mean, the sex education in the 30s was very lacking. She just thought that that's what happened when you got married. Like, she didn't even know how she got pregnant. So, very quickly, she pops out four kids. Because as soon as she would finish nursing one, she'd get pregnant again. She literally had no idea how this was happening. So they have Betty Sue, then Jack Benny, Ernest Ray, and then Clara Marie, who were all born by the time she turned 20. Oh, my God. And she she talks in her book about she finally went to the doctor and was like, how do I make this stop? And they were like, you know that you can use this birth control, right? And she was like, how does this work? No one's ever told me this in my life. Please make me stop having children. Because she was just a baby. Like, she never even got a chance to do anything until she started having... She moved out of her parents' house to stop taking care of her younger siblings, then immediately got pregnant and had to take care of four babies all at the same time. Right. Um, So this period in her life was not the most fun period. She's living away from home. Uh, Her dad dies at some point. Like, it's really sad, but she's also really happy because she has this life with her new husband and... They don't get along all the time, but they do love each other. Um, and so it's like a, a constant up and down of happiness and heartache, which 
really shows itself in her songwriting when she starts performing. She says in her book that she went straight from having her dad tell her what to do into having her husband tell her what to do and never really got a chance to be her own person. And it probably would have been that way for the rest of her life. But in 1953, for her birthday, Doolittle bought her a little $17 harmony guitar and she taught herself to play over the course of three years. And so Doolittle was like, you know, you're really good at this. Like, we can make something of this. And so he helps her make a band, Loretta and the Trailblazers. They get her brother, Jay Lee, playing lead guitar. And she would start playing at Bill's Tavern in Blaine, Washington, and at the dining hall in this logging community. Mm-hmm. And she's like 23 at this point. So she's starting this career very late in life compared to most people that we have talked about. She does so well in these like contests and um, like playing in these dining halls that she en- enters a talent contest in Tacoma hosted by Buck Owens. She wins. She wins a wristwatch and she was given the choice between a lady's watch or a men's watch. She chose the men- men's watch for Doolittle and it broke the next day <laughs> and she no. cried about it. Um, but this performance was televised kind of in the Washington uh whatever Canadian part is right above yeah, Washington. Van, uh, Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, a Canadian named Norm Burley, he sees Loretta sing, and he kind of had just founded this record company called Zero Records, which he <laughs> actually founded after hearing Loretta sing so that he could sign her to it. Wow. In order to give her enough capital to go record something so that she could, you know, make a name for herself. He does this, Zero. he owns Zero Records or forms Zero Records with uh, another guy named Don Grashy. And they, two of them arrange a recording session in Hollywood where they end up recording four of Loretta's original compositions. So she signed that contract on February 2nd, 1960. And they immediately did those records and started touring the country, like literally going door to door to all the country radio stations. They would just hop in the car and drive and find these, these like DJs who were putting stuff on the radio, which was honestly the best way to go about it. It's kind of what you had to do at the time. But Loretta was still super shy from her literally growing up in the woods. So this gave her a chance to work on her people skills sure. as well. Uh, when they're in, While they were in Tucson, she really hit it off with the DJ there. He was about her age. She said he was really greasy, covered in zits. Um, but they were super friendly. They hit it off immediately. Started writing letters back and forth. Um, eventually, this kid got into singing too. His name was Waylon Jennings. Waylon! <laughs> he makes another appearance. Waylon! Yeah, she was really good friends with Waylon Jennings before he... Damn! ...did anything. He was just DJing in Tucson. Well, that makes sense, because I know he started as a DJ. Yep. Didn't think it was going to be Waylon. Yep. Literally, when I read that in the book, I was like, huh. How I about s- that? I made an audible noise. Uh, so they eventually end up in Nashville... Where one of her songs, I didn't know which one apparently, was a hit. It actually hit, climbed up to number 14 on the Billboard Country and Western charts. And this gave her enough momentum to start cutting more demo records for the Wilburn Brothers. They own a publishing company. um, And then through them, she ends up with a contract with Decca Records, where she will stay for like the next 40 years. So she starts this relationship with the Wilburn Brothers. They kind of act as a manager, but also Doolittle's doing some managing too. So like 
she's got all these men telling her what to do. It's a thing, you know, mm. whatever. Uh, and they they get her an appearance on the Grand Ole Opry in 1960, which kind of boosts her up to number one immediately. The people at the Grand Ole Opry love her so much, she ends up coming back every week for like two years or something ridiculous. Um, and she very quickly became the number one female recording artist in country music at the time. But that contract with the Wilburn Brothers gave them the publishing rights to her material. See, these fucking companies in the 19... What year is it? 60? This is 60. In the 1960s did the shittiest deals for artists. Yep. They were set up very differently. Um... So for the next 30 years, she would pretty much fight them to regain the publishing rights to her songs. Oh, sorry. For 30 years. She eventually breaks the contract with them and goes her own way. But she fights with them for a very long time to get her publishing rights back because she wrote that shit. She deserves it. She actually stopped writing music in the 1970s for a while because of the way these contracts were negotiated and in turmoil. And it's a whole thing. And... Someone really needs to make a legal side of the music industry podcast. We're not going to do that. No, I don't have the brain to handle that. No, that's why someone else needs to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so around this time, she's getting established in Nashville, figuring out the music world, raising four children. Um, and she meets Patsy Cline. Mm. And the two become besties like immediately. Patsy's a little bit more established and kind of mentors Loretta through it. She's, you know, been in the in entertainment industry longer um but they don't get to be best friends for a very long time because in 1963 we all know patsy suddenly died in a plane crash Mm. and in an interview with entertainment weekly loretta told them when patsy died my god not only did i lose my best girlfriend but i lost a great person who was taking care of me i thought now somebody's gonna whip me for sure she credits Patsy as being her mentor and best friend. Um, in another interview in 2010, she got interviewed f- for a biography about Tammy Wynette, but about Patsy, and said, best friends are like husbands. You only need one at a time. <laughs> That's the truth. She, she didn't really want to put in a lot of effort into making a new best friend. Um, so going back to her contract with Decca, she releases her first success. Success. Her first single with Decca called Success, which is a great name for your first single. Great really success. Sets the tone. Um, that was released in 1962, went straight to number six, and started a string of top ten singles that would run for like the next ten years. Her first album, like full album, with Decca is called Loretta Lynn Sings. And it reached number two on the country charts, and it includes songs like Blue Kentucky Girl and Wine, Women, and Song, which is a great song title. So she started to record her own material. Most of what she's recording was covers or written by other artists. And she really honed in on this specific subgenre of country music for capturing the everyday struggles of wives and mothers but also just like being funny while doing it. She's a mm-hmm. very funny person. Yeah. Um, but unlike some, like that wasn't necessarily the unique part about her. Like plenty of women in country music do that. She takes it one step further and writes songs that get her banned on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to do. Her first, very first like self-written song that would go top 10 
is uh, her 1966 song, Dear Uncle Sam, which is considered one of the first recordings to recount like the human cost of the Vietnam War. Mm. While the, I skipped this bullet for some reason. Oh no, this is still under this bullet. It's she, her, Dear Uncle Sam is singing as the, the like terrified wife or lover of a draftee who she doesn't want to go to war. So she's dealing with, you know, the cultural yeah. upheaval of the Vietnam War. And then surprise, she's pregnant again. But does she know? No, never mind. She she was using birth control. I think this was more of an intentional pregnancy. Oh, okay, cool. But it's twins. Oh, shit. So she gives birth to Peggy Jean and Patsy Eileen in 1964. Oh, she named after Patsy Cline. She did. She did. That's name. so sweet. That's going to be the favorite twin, I guarantee you. Patsy, she can't, so it's actually kind of sad. I didn't talk about this in my outline, but in her book, she didn't really do much to raise the twins because she was very successful at the point when they were born. Right. So Doolittle is the one that would stay home with them and she would come visit. They would just treat her like an aunt that was there to visit Oh, because he did all the, the raising and he yeah. could tell them apart. But Pat, uh, Loretta always struggled to tell them apart because they're identical twins and they'd get really mad when she couldn't tell them apart because... As their mother, she, sh- you know, quote, should be able to tell them apart. Yeah. And she didn't, she doesn't have the best relationship with the twins for that reason. And yeah. she feels really bad about it, but it was either make money for the family because it's their only source of income at this point. Yeah. Doolittle's quit his job to be a stay at home dad, basically, which yeah. is kind of cool. Or stay at home, be a stay at home mom and have no money. So. Yeah. Sorry, uh, kids. Yeah. Sorry. So, Dear Uncle Sam was in 1966. Also, 1966, she wrote a song, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, and it made her the first country female recording artist to write her, their own number one hit, mm. which is pretty cool, but kind of sad. It took till 1966 for that to happen. Yeah. Um, in 1967, she started a string of 16 number one hits. Out of 70, wow. char- 70 charted songs, um, that one was Don't Come Home, Don't, Don't Come Home a Drinkin' with Lovin' on Your Mind. Mm. Um, so then we, in 1975, I guess we're jumping ahead because I don't know what I did to this. We're just going to talk about other songs that got banned from Loretta Lynn's cate- category. That's not catalog. Word, catalog. The mimosas hit hard, y'all. Yeah. Um, so she writes a song in 1975 called The Pill. The Piddle? The Pill. The Pill. The Pill. Oh, The Pill. Um, as you can remember, she did not know where babies came from, nor how to um, prevent them until The Pill became a thing. Um, and let me just read you some of the lyrics from this song, because this song pissed conservative America off. And got banned from the radio because it has lyrics such as, okay, if you just Google the pill, you get birth control ads. You whined and dined me when I was your girl. Promise if I'd be your wife, you'd show me the world. But I've seen all this old world, but all I've seen of this old world is a bed and a doctor bill. Mm. I'm tearing down your brooder house because now I've got the pill. All yeah. these years I've stayed at home while you've had your fun. And every year that's gone by, another baby's come. Mm. There's going to be some changes made right here on Nursery Hill. You've set this chicken your last time because now I've got the pill. 
Ooh. This old maternity dress I've got is going in the garbage. The clothes I'm wearing from now on won't take up so much yardage. Mini skirts, hot pants, and a few little francy fills. Yeah, I'm making up for all those years since I've got the pill. I love it. So, um, as you can imagine, men did not take that well. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. <laughs> Here's what she says about that song in her book. We recorded it and held on to it for three years, figuring that Jeez. people weren't ready to accept it. But when we released it, the people loved it. I mean, the women loved it. But the men who run the radio stations were scared to death. It's like a challenge to the man's way of thinking. See, they'll play a song about making love in a field because that's sexy from a man's point of view. But something that's really important to women, like birth control, they don't want no part of. Least away is not on the air. Well, my fans played the record and bought so many copies that it forced most of the radio stations to play it. Well played. Well played. Um, other band songs include Ones on the Way, which is about repeated childbirth as well, and Rated X, which is about double standards for men and women. <laughs> so she was just a big old fuck you to the patriarchy Love of it. country music. Um, she ended up getting nine songs banned over her career, which... That's a triumph. I respect. So in 1970, she releases Coal Miner's Daughter, the album, not the biography, which I think is probably her like magnum opus and what she's most known for. This peaked at number one on the Billboard country chart in 1970, um, became her first single on the Billboard Hot 100, not just like the country Hot 100. Mm-hmm. It, it reached 83. She wrote this song... Uh, after she was encouraged by her record producer, Owen Bradley. But when she originally wrote it, this song contained 10 verses. Wow. And they were like, that's too long. You can't release a 10 verse song. To which I have to say, Loretta, the time has come. Taylor has released a 10 minute song. You can do it. Let them release the full version before you before you can't record music anymore. Me sitting in the background knowing Prague releases 15 minute songs. Yes. This was not 19... 19- 70 though that's true it just wouldn't fit on a record but um well then just make it one record the the reason that marty gave her other than just it's too long was there was already a song that was that long it was marty robbins hit el paso oh yeah and there couldn't be another el paso oh sure as fucking hell there can be a better el paso so they made a an austin (laughs) yes they made her cut verses, which she said she cried the whole time because she didn't want to cut anything. Cause, I mean, she wrote the song about her dad. At the time, I think her dad had already passed and just yeah. like growing up in her childhood. And it meant a lot to her. And it was really hard to cut songs. Um, but one of the verses she removed was about killing a pig during the annual hog killing day. So what the fuck? Maybe some of them did not need to be in the, the yeah. full song. But what are they doing these days? <laughs> Um, she ended up cutting four songs from the original version to make the version that we have now. And this is considered probably her most important song that she's ever written. In 2001, the Recording Industry Association of America named it one of the songs of the century. Rolling Stone has ranked it on their list of 100 greatest country songs of all time. Mm. Time Magazine named it among the 100 all-time songs. The 2020 500 Greatest Albums list ranks it at 440. Mm-hmm. Coal Miner's Daughter would go on to become the title of uh, a tribute album that her her label, I guess, put together 
of other artists covering her songs, mm-hmm. which includes artists such as The White Stripes, Reba mm. McIntyre, and Paramore. And let me say, Paramore's song on that album slaps. Dude, what song do they cover? I don't remember. I can't look it up right now. That's all right. Um, I'll find it later. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. So this album would all this album and song would go on to just like inspire the rest of her career. In 1976, she wrote her first of what would be three autobiographies titled Coal Miner's Daughter. It's the one that I read for this research. And the following, what, that doesn't say that. This was followed in 1980 by a biopic of the same name starring Sissy Spacek, which became a critical and commercial success and received seven nominations at the Academy Awards that year including Best Picture, and Sissy Spacek won Best Actress for her portrayal of Loretta Lynn. Nice. But going back to the 70s, in 1971, Loretta was the first solo female country artist to perform at the White House. Unfortunately, the president she's performing for was Richard Nixon. Yeah. You You take some, you lose some. But that's not her fault. Uh, she actually would return there several more times to perform under the administrations of Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George H.W., and George W. The H.W. and the W. In 1971, she began, I think, the relationship that like put her next level on the country charts. And that's when she started doing duets with Conway Twitty. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. I can't explain the chokehold that Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn had over the population in the 70s. <laughs> but half the records that I have inherited from my grandparents are Conway Twitty records, and I don't understand. That's hilarious. Um, but two working together had five consecutive number one hits in four years. Wow. Between 1971 and 1975, including After the Fire is Gone, which actually won them a Grammy Award, Lead Me On, Louisiana Woman, Mississippi Man, as soon as I hang up the phone and feelings for four years in a row from 1972 to 75, Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty were named the vocal duo of the year at the CMA awards. Wow. And like nowadays that doesn't happen because I think they try to spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah. in these award shows, but four years in a row. That's crazy. Uh, the Academy of country music also named them best vocal duet in 71, 74, 75 and 76. And the American Music Awards selected them as the favorite country duo in 1975, 76, and 77. Again, the chokehold that these two had in America. Um, But while this is all going on, she's still cranking out solo albums as well. Because it's the 70s. What else are they doing? Yeah. In 1972, Loretta Lynn became the first woman to be nominated and win Entertainer of the Year at the CMA Awards. She also won Female Vocalist of the Year and Duo of the Year that year, which beat out George Jones and Tammy Wynette and Porter Wagoner and Dolly Parton. Ooh. Um, this was also the year that Rated X came out, and, you know, she got more controversial. This is probably more controversial than The Pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, includes lyrics such as, Well, if you've been a married woman and things didn't seem to work out, divorce is the key to being loose and free, so you're going to be talked about. Everyone knows that you've loved once. They think you'll love again. You can't have a male friend when you're a has-been of a woman. You're rated X. Oof. 
shots were fired. Um, and because of the chokehold that she had on the 70s, in at the end of the 70s, she was named Artist of the Decade by the wow. Academy of Country Music. And to this day, she's the only woman to have ever won Artist of the Decade. Really? Which That's is crazy. shocking to me. Yeah, you think like Dolly w- yeah. would have some kind of role that... I feel like after researching them both, Dolly was big at the time, but she's much bigger in hindsight. Like yeah. we're much more obsessed with Dolly now than they were then, where Loretta was much hotter at the time. They Everyone was very into Loretta and Dolly was kind of on the back burner. Yeah. But now the roles have switched. But they're, they're really good friends, the two of them. Right. Um... So in the 80s, country music changed a little bit, moved more away from, you know, banjos and twangy to more of a, they started playing with mainstream pop a little bit. And because of this, Loretta Lynn's no longer dominating the country charts. She's still popular and she was still successful, but she has to start like branching out what she's doing to kind of stay on top of things. So she starts to make guest appearances on TV shows such as the Dukes of Hazard, Fantasy Island, and the Muppet Show. Oh boy! I did not have time to watch her episode of the Muppet Show, but I'm gonna go find it later and watch it. Um, but everything kind of comes crashing to a stop because right around this time, somewhere in the early '80s, I did not write the, the year. I f- that's my bad. Uh, her 34-year-old son Jack Benny Lynn drowned oh. after trying to wade across a river on horseback. She was so like, torn apart by this tragedy. She actually got hospitalized for exhaustion right after because she wouldn't eat, she wouldn't drink, she wouldn't do anything, and she just passed out. Yeah. Uh, In 1987, she would duet on a... or lend her voice to a song on Katie Lang's album, Shadowland, which also has other country stars on it. Um, In 1988... Her album, Who Was That Stranger, would be her last solo album for a major record company as a solo artist. But don't worry. She's got more stuff planned. She's got 70 albums. Yeah, she's got. she's still making them. Uh, in 1988, she was inducted to the Country Music Hall of Fame. And she, soon after that, had to scale back what she was doing because Doolittle got really sick. She had to kind of be there with him. He had some heart troubles and diabetes. But... Since she had to pull back on her solo career, she did find some time to work with Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette on the 1993 album Honky Tonk Angels. Uh, which I is love that name. The three of them. Yeah, it's like the perfect name for the three of them. And in 1995, she kind of had her own TV show. It was like a very much a limited series thing called yeah. Loretta Lynn and Friends. And she would play a handful of tour dates, but those kind of got stopped because in 1996... When they had been married for 48 years, unfortunately, Doolittle did pass from complications from his diabetes. Oh, that's sad. In 2000, she released her first album in several years, because this is like a 10-year hiatus, 12-year hiatus, called Still Country. And she, on this album, included a song called I Can't Hear the Music, which is a tribute to Doolittle, which is really sad. That is sad. In 2002... She published her second autobiography, Still Woman Enough, and it became a New York Times bestseller, hit peaking in the top 10. And in 2004, she published a cookbook, which I just need to buy this. Like, I need it in my life. It's called You're Cooking It Country. <laughs> You're Cooking It Country? I love it. 
In 2004, perhaps the most random thing I'm going to mention happens. She releases her album, Van Leer Rose, which this is around the time that I was very into country music. So I'm familiar with this album, but this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready Mm. for this? She did this album in collaboration and produced by Jack White. No way. Yes. That's so cool. This album slaps. I don't know why, but for some reason it was taken off Spotify in March. That sucks. There's very many Reddit threads about people mad that it was taken off, but no one has an answer as to why. They think Mm -hmm. it's something to do with Jack's label. Probably. Because all of um, Loretta's stuff is still up on Spotify. But someone did upload a full version to YouTube, so go listen to that. Um, Loretta and Jack were nominated for five Grammys and won two of them. And everyone just was like, this this pair shouldn't work. Yeah. But they work so well together. Uh, it was the voted the second best album of 2004 in Rolling Stone magazine. And the, the two Grammys that it won were... Oh, one of the two that it won was Best Country Album. Wow. So this kind of like brings Loretta back into the forefront of the American mind. And she starts touring pretty extensively, but very quickly has to start canceling some tour dates. Um, just to do, do some health issues. She has a family history of strokes. That's actually what they think her dad died of. Mm. Um, and so she has really high blood pressure. And touring is not, like, the kindest to your blood pressure system. It is not. Uh, In January 2010, she played a date at the University of Central Arkansas in which her son, Ernest Ray, and the twins, Peggy and Patsy, played with her, which is adorable. That is cute. Around that time, she was given the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award as well as the, um, the cover album of other artists doing her songs. In 2012, she published her third autobiography, Honky Tonk Girl, My Life in Lyrics. In 2013, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama. In 2019, they made another film about her, (coughs) but this time about her relationship with Patsy Cline, called Patsy and Loretta. On May 4th, 2017, she actually suffered a stroke um, at her home in Nashville. She has since made a full recovery. And on March 19th, 2021, Loretta Lynn released her 50th studio album, Still Woman Enough. This doesn't include her, like, collab projects. She's still going. She's still going. She's 89. She'd been 88, I guess, when that was released. But her 50th studio album. Good for her. Loretta Lynn, she's received pretty much every award that you could win. As a country music artist, she's been inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and was honored at the 2010 Country Music Awards with a Lifetime Achievement. She's recorded, like I said, 70 albums, including 54 studio albums, 15 compilation albums, and the one tribute album. Um, That is the legacy of the wonderful Loretta Lynn. I think she should be a saint as well. What's her title? Something to do with fucking the patriarchy. <laughs> but you can't put that in her title. So uh, Loretta Lynn. The Challenger? I like that. The Challenger. challenger. That's it. Loretta Lynn, the Challenger. Country music standards. Also, in this process of researching this, I have fully awakened my country music phase. 
but I realized that I just don't like country music made by men. It's much better when done that by women. That makes sense. Well, as we learned with Aretha, it's like, it's all about tone. It's all about how the lyrics are well, now, perceived. Nowadays, and I specifically blame Florida Georgia Line for this, every male song is literally about a truck or yeah. beer. That is the two subjects, truck or beer. Sometimes it's about trucks and beer. Mm, true. Occasionally, it's about a sunset. Um, but female country music is just so much more deep. We got mm. songs about birth control. Isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. That is a good, good story. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, and Spotify. A special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shewillrockyou.com. You can find our socials, our show notes, our contact us, and our merch. Other than that, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.